Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. So let's begin with Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Just a couple of verses. I'm sure you've heard these verses somewhere before. Uh, but let's dig into it here. Genesis 1, 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image. According to our likeness, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God. He created him male and female. He created them. Then God blessed them and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Well, I want to just read that again and highlight one word to you that you might miss in the, the cursory reading of those verses. Let me read it to you again. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, birds of the air, over the cattle, over the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in His own image. In the image of God, He created him male and female. He created them. Then God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And all the people overseas say, My goodness, I can't understand you when you speak slowly. But you can read that along with me. And you understand that right from the very beginning, the plan of God was always more than one. That's important. And that the more than one were together. God didn't make one, put one in the Garden of Eden and then say, let's spread it out a little bit. Let's put another one a thousand k's away. That way you get your own territory See, we live in a world that prizes mine, my space, my area, my title, me, me, me. It's one of the first words that children learn. Everybody knows the first word a child learns is mama. Sad for all the dads who want it to be dada, but it's mama. huh? And then after that, if you're lucky, it's dada. Or sometimes the next word they learn is no. And it won't be long before their vocabulary will become peppered with the word mine. You ever watch kids? I remember buying my kids, I don't know what it was, maybe it was a packet of chips, crisp, uh, French fries, but yeah, not crisp, French fries. And I said to my, one of my children, and he will remain nameless, they're laughing, by the way, if you're new to Metro, they're laughing because I've got two daughters and one son. So I just identified him. But anyway, I remember saying, can daddy have one of your chips, your French fries? He said, no, mine. And I remember thinking, I bought them. My money paid for them. I'm bigger than you. I can take them off you. And I, if I want to, I can just go and buy some more. Your mind is meaningless. Isn't it true that if you're a good parent, 
You spend a lot of time with your children encouraging them to learn that they're a part of community. Huh? Why do you give kids chores? Not because you're after child labour, but because you want them to grow up saying, family is where you contribute. Family is not where I just come home and I get free Wi-Fi. But family's where I'm a part of what's going on. And the plan of God was always more than one. In other words, God made mankind and said this, you're going to have relationship with me, but I also want you to have relationship with each other. The plan of God was always more than one. But here's the other thing that you won't notice probably because it's not stated like this. But the plan of God was and always is that we partner with Him, that what we do matters. Now think about it a minute. God made man. Let us make man. I was just about to break into Bob Dylan there for a minute. Man gave names to all the animals in the beginning. I've got to sing it a bit different. That's way too good. Man. Uh, but God made man and then He goes, I think I can do better and makes woman. I never even got one amen from the women on that. Look, there was a man right there just going right out and saying, you are the, you're, you're just the crown of God's creation. And not one woman said anything. All the men were inwardly groaning, going, you, hello, don't do that to us. But here we go. He made one. He makes another one. Why didn't God keep on making them? I know that thought's never occurred to most of you. But why didn't God just go, you know what, I've made one. I'm God. What's another thousand? Why not start with a million? Why not God populate the earth and then let us work it out? I'll tell you what I believe. I believe that the plan of God was and always is that we partner with God, that what we do matters. So He says to them, I've made you two, you two be fruitful and multiply. God said, I've made one, then another, but it's up to you to make the rest. It's up to you now to come through with those extras that have to be made. So together is God's plan and we play a pretty significant role in everything that God does. Now understand that together and community is not a crowd. Connection doesn't automatically make together. Just because you're in the same location. Earlier this week, I was up in the city mall. There were people everywhere. But I would not say I was there together. There was, I don't know their names. There, we'll never see each other probably ever again. We were in the same place, but there was not a together there. Now I want you to watch a video and then I'll explain why in just a minute. Watch this video. Let's roll it. Thank you. What an incredible picture those are of the fish shoal all moving like one with one thought, one mind. Or that beautiful, you'd think someone had CG'd that and manufactured it, but it's actually just videography of an actual bird swarm going around through the air. Science has begun studying these natural togethers 
And this is what they've discovered. I've read quite a number of uh, articles and books about this. They discovered they work because each one responds to the one that's nearest them. How does a bird swarm do that and move where they are? It works by each one responding to one. Now there are 22 one another's in the New Testament. 22 times we are told about ones that are round about us. I'm gonna give you the list. Don't try and write them down. Slow the video down later. Here it is, 22 one another's. We are commanded by God as Christians to care for one another, love one another, host one another, receive one another, honour one another, serve one another, instruct one another, forgive one another, motivate one another, build peace with one another, encourage one another, comfort one another, pray for one another, confess sin to one another, esteem one another, edify one another, teach one another, show kindness to one another, give to one another, rejoice with one another, hurt with one another, and finally to restore one another. 22 commandments of Scripture that you can't do if you are just locked in to a modern mindset that says my Christian life is all about the vertical. Me and Jesus. Who was it sang that song way back in the day, that country and Western song, me and Jesus. Got a whole thing going, me and Jesus. I don't know who it was, but it's a dumb song. Because the reality is that even though you and Jesus might have something good going on, you can't really fulfil the will of God for your life. You can't be everything you're meant to be if all you ever do is just have a devotional life with Jesus. No matter how much you go out into the wilderness to pray and fast and read the Word and study the Greek and the Hebrew and get into it all and wow! And come out so full of knowledge that your head's about to burst. But according to 1 Corinthians 13, if I've got all knowledge and I don't love, you, you, love implies someone else. Huh? When you go to a wedding, I've never been to a wedding where one person said, you know what, I'm just, I'm all I need. I'm all I need. I'm all I need. Just me is all I need. I've never got up there and said, you know, do you, John, take John? Because you're so complete within yourself. I've never had one like that. Every wedding I've done, it's been a, somebody there saying, I love you. And because love is there, love needs others for an expression of itself. And the reality is that these 22 one and others require me to step out of my vertical, out of my devotion and go to the horizontal and say, who is there around about me that needs me? Who is there around about me that needs me? 
Do you realise that most of your spiritual growth will come out of your together? It won't come out of the prayer closet. It won't come out of the Bible study alone. They're all great and important things to do. But I cannot tell you how much wisdom has come, godly wisdom has come because I brushed up against another and our together made me better. I know you might say, well, I know all this. Of course I know it, I'm a Christian. But I'd go, we can forget all this. And I want to take it a step further. The first time I ever went to Hillsong Conference was with Pastor Michael and Linda Battersby. Michael was the head then of the creative stream, I think it was. And he'd been going and he said to me, you really ought to come. And so I went along for this one and it was in the Hill Centre, I think. All I remember is I'm sitting up in the bleachers waiting for uh, the, the night, the opening night to begin Pastor Brian Houston comes walking past and looked up and I didn't think I'd ever met him, but he said, what are you doing here? I said, I'm waiting. He said, come with me. So I dutifully trot off down and he takes me up into what they call the green room. This is where everybody who's anybody is meeting together and chatting and fellowshipping or whatever and the speakers are there. Well, I walked into that room and the reality is I did not know anybody. Brian immediately abandoned me. Went off because somebody else over there was trying to get his attention. And so you know this feeling, don't you? You're at a party or at a wedding or at a gathering and everybody else knows everybody else and you don't know anybody else. Try not to let your insecurity surface. So you look around like, like you just love this, huh? Now, some of you here would just go around and say, by the way, I don't know you, who are you? But believe it or not, I'm not always like that. I remember standing there, listening to all these people, chatting to one another, patting one another on the back. Remember that when you could do that? And, uh, and all this kind of jazz. And, and I'm just kind of standing there. I'll never forget. Pastor Brian, Houston's sister, Judith McGee, came walking across the room, saw me standing there. She came walking across the room. She said to me, do you know anyone here? It was pretty obvious I didn't. I said, no, I don't. She said, come with me and marched me off and took me up to every single group in that room. There was probably about 50 people there. Took me up to everyone and said, by the way, this is Jeff Woodard. You know, I never forgot the kindness of somebody who crossed the room for me. I wasn't anybody. I was a nobody. And yet somebody crossed the room with an inclusive spirit. Someone who said, you know what? There's always room for one more. I never forgot her kindness. I reminded her of it many a time. And, and she doesn't even remember doing it. She must have done it for lots. But I remember somebody crossed the room for me. Do you remember last week I read you Romans chapter 12, verse 16 out of the message version? It says, get along with each other. Don't be stuck up. Make friends with nobodies. Don't be the great somebody. Did you get that? Don't be stuck up. 
make friends with nobodies. Don't be the great somebody. Let's go to Acts chapter 9, verse 26. Saul has been the great persecutor of the church. But as we know in Acts chapter 9, he has an encounter with the risen Christ on the road to Damascus, sees a light, hears a voice, cries out to the voice that he hears, who are you? And the voice says, I'm Jesus whom you're persecuting. Because if you persecute Jesus' body, according to Jesus, you're persecuting Him. And he says, great question, Lord, what do you want me to do? He's blinded by the light. But the voice says, arise and go to this street. There you're going to find this disciple called Ananias, who never appears anywhere else in the New Testament. Just another nobody. But this nobody lays hands on Saul and immediately there fall from his eyes like scales and he receives his sight and he rises up and gets baptised. Just like it'll happen next week. He gets baptised in the house of a nobody and his life takes a 180 degree turn. And when we pick up the story, it's in verse 26. It says he's still Saul before he becomes Paul. And when Saul had come to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and did not believe that he was a disciple. Fair enough. He's been carting people off to jail and even killing people for their faith in Christ. So it's not surprising they're a little bit worried. But, verse 27, look at it. But Barnabas took him, brought him to the apostles and declared to them how he had seen the Lord on the road, that he, Jesus, had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. So, it says in the last verse 28, so he was with them at Jerusalem, coming in and going out. I thank God that someone called Barnabas had the courage to cross the room. No one else is going to step out of their safe place. But Barnabas goes across the room, gets him, and something wonderful takes place because he crossed the room you today can go into any Bible. You can read the book of Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, 1st and 2nd Timothy, Titus, Philemon, Philippians, and some people believe the book of Hebrews. All of those books, one third of the New Testament is there because someone crossed the room. Somebody said, I could be like everyone else. I could just stay back where I am. What if it doesn't work out well? What if they don't appreciate my help? What if I'm being conned? What if this is not as healthy and whole as I'd like it to be? One man had courage and he crossed the room. So let me ask you a question. 
who needs you to cross the room for them? Is there someone at your workplace that everybody else goes, nah, and excludes? Maybe they just need you to cross the room. Maybe it's someone in your neighbourhood. Most Aussie streets have got a neighbour that is grumpy. Huh? Anybody got one like that? Don't point at them if they're in church. Of course, they, they wouldn't be. But you know what I mean? Most of us have got someone and they're the ones that everybody else goes, oh, you know, we just pray they'll move out in Jesus' name. Huh? Sometimes it's those neighbours that if someone would just cross the street and go, you go, Jeff, that's a little bit, you know, like mushy, you know, like hello. It's a bit kumbaya for me. I don't think, Barnabas was just being idealistic. I think Barnabas was someone who had the Spirit of Christ and said, I could stay here where it's safe. But he crossed the room. Maybe it's a church. Somebody just needs you to reach out. Who needs you to cross the room? You say, but Jeff, I've got so many problems. I've got so many needs. You know, when I get them fixed, I'll do something about it. Yeah, I've got my own issues, man. Like, hello. But Barnabas crosses the room. And I'd say to you that while you wait for God to bring the answer to you, cross the room for someone else. Don't let your fears prevent you from reaching out. I think about this and thought about it a lot because I think most of us are so cautious now about getting ripped off. We're so worried that someone will take advantage of us. We're taught that almost online. We are taught, sheesh, you know, like, hello, everything's a scam. And I'm not suggesting we become all idealistic and throw out prudence or diligence from out of our life. That somehow or other we become gullible. But I'm saying don't let a few bad apples Spoil the whole tree. Come on. Who is there in your world that needs you to cross the room? I thank God for Judith McGee. She crossed the room and it changed my life. A lot of great relationships grew out of one person. And it wasn't that we had some great connection. We never went on holidays together. I think we barely spoken much. But that one connection opened up many more. I really do today want to say a massive thank you. I think about this often. I want to say a massive thank you to Metro Church. You have such a spirit of crossing the room. You know, half our core team today are down in Dunsborough. They'll start, well, they'll start today. Tomorrow when Leavers Week officially kicks off and nine and a half thousand young people are in a zone, I want you to know that it's not just them down there. It's because you keep crossing the room. 20 years, we have told you about this vision. We've asked you to support it in prayer and in so many other amazing ways. I want to thank you genuinely. I want to say thank you for for crossing the room. Our ministry of hope is now 28 or 29 years going. 
And every week my office sits above the back door. And every Tuesday and every Friday, I can hear the conversations. The guy who turns up with his boom box blasting out, it comes every week. And I get to hear him think, oh, here he is. I hear some of the difficulties that people have. Most weeks I'll go down at least once and wander through and say hi to people. And I, every time I do, I go, thank God for a church that doesn't say, not my problem, but a church that just keeps crossing the room. When it comes to Transform Cambodia and three and a half thousand young people and over 500,000 meals this year given out. Now, I know it's not all us, not by any means. We're a small part in it now. But I know that it started with this church saying we'll take on the first couple of centres. I know that you as a church have kept on crossing the room for others. Every service, I watch people include one another, making room. I wrote this down today because I, I thought it was from the Holy Spirit. So I'm, I write things like that down. You're together is always incomplete. No matter how much you enjoy fellowship and connection and community and all the ones that are with you, let me tell you, your together is always incomplete. So will you make room for one more? Will you open up a space and let somebody else come in? Who needs you to cross the room? Heavenly Father, thank you for today. We thank you, Lord, that we have not just turned up. We are not a crowd. We're a community of believers. You didn't give your life just for individuals. Your Word says that you loved the church and gave yourself for it. You're the head of a body. And so, Lord, we give you gratitude and thanks for the way you place us with others. None of us are alone. None of us, Lord, is so self-sufficient that we have no need now of anybody else. Thank You for community. God, I pray our community will continue to grow in every way, both numerically but also in spirit. That every one of us, Lord, will have the spirit of Barnabas. We'll see somebody that just needs us to cross the room. We'll go and bring them in. And so we will be able to hear the stories back of what happened because we made together work. Thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, you don't get into the kingdom of God by filling in a survey. Lots of our students, Lizzie, who was out here on guitar a moment ago, has got one more exam to go this week. Aren't you glad there's no exam for the body of Christ? Huh? You don't have to sit and go, well, do I know all the books of the Bible? Sometimes I'm still looking, is it Zephaniah comes before Zechariah or Zechariah before Zephaniah? And some of you are going, I didn't know either of them, weren't they? I'm glad there's no exam. How many Bible verses? You've got to memorise 50 Bible verses before you can become a Christian. Thank God it's not like that. Do you hold up your hands in every song or only a couple? Do you come every week or only once a month? There's no exam. 
Huh? According to the Scripture, you become a part of the family of God by saying, Jesus, I'm saying yes to you. I'm trusting you with my eternity. I'm opening the door of my life and I'm asking you to come in and to be the one who changes my life and leads it from this point on. It's that simple. You say yes to Jesus. It's so easy if you're in Australia, you can simply text yes, why yes, to 0488826392. If you're outside of Australia or you'd rather get our help via email, go to yes.metrochurch.org.au. Whichever way you do it, either by the text or by the email, we will send you back the next day after you give us your yes. We'll send you back a scripture, different one every day, a prayer, a different one every day. Both those things fit on one screen of your smartphone. You can read the Bible verse and know this is what God is saying to me. You can pray the prayer and make it yours. You'll get it every day for 30 days unless you opt out. We'll never write and ask you for money. We'll never write and ask you for anything. Matter of fact, we want to help you. And it comes from us, not from some third party. No one's collecting your data. It's us saying, we want to cross the room for you. Help you to walk with Jesus. I pray you'll do that today. Pray you'll say a great yes to Christ. Let Him lead your life. Follow Him all the days of your life. Amen. Well, I want to say thank you to everyone for your great together. I love being a part of a family, faithful people that love God. We're going to worship the Lord one more time. If you need prayer, by the way, today, you can come forward if you're in the building. We'd love to pray with you.